This is ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Critchman. Joining me today is Dr. Barb Dupree. She's a gynecologist, director of Midlife Women's Health at Holland Hospital, and founder of Middlesex MD. Today we're going to be discussing the important issue of sexual accessories, both for men and women. Sometimes it can be confusing. There's a multitude of choices, colors, shapes, sizes, both for men and women. And to help us understand some of the navigation issues of sexual accessories to enhance your sexual experience, as well as alleviate boredom, is Dr. Barb Dupree. Barb, thanks again for taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, talk to us today. And I know you're the founder of Middlesex MD, so why don't we just start right there and talk about what kind of services MiddlesexMD.com offers and why it's so important in the sexual accessory realm for patients and their partners. Well, thanks for allowing me to join you today, Michael. But yes, so Middlesex MD is a website that is designed to help women, more specifically than men, help women navigate sexuality. And my experience has been as a gynecologist that women go through some changes in sexual function, and it may be related to pregnancy, it may be related to aging, it may be related to a hormonal change status, and sometimes aren't quite sure what to expect and then, again, what to do as a result of that. So my goal in establishing this website was to provide information, both clinical and then also as far as product selection of helping women improve their quality of their sexual health. I know that there's a lot of things. What are the most popular items that women are looking for online? And, you know, I think that we have a multitude of of choices. People can buy things online. They can go to a store, even things like Amazon. So why is the discreteness important and why are women going online, what are the most important things that we as clinicians can help women buy? Well, I think there are a couple of things there. My experience online is that women are selecting, there are two categories that are most popular on the website, and that is lubricants and moisturizers, and the other category is probably vibrators. And the arena of selection in our retailers is a bit overwhelming. When I recently visited a major retailer in my community, there were 38 different vaginal products on the shelves. So I think navigating that arena can be somewhat difficult for women in understanding how to make a selection for their particular concern. So commonly, women are going to complain of more dryness and discomfort related to intercourse in the need to use a lubricant is increased over time. Many women have added a lubricant for years because that adds pleasure. But then the category of moisturizers, helping them understand that they're different than lubricants, and then through the selection process. So the website really is there to help women and maybe practitioners understand the differences, the varieties, and then I've gone through some process with individuals like yourself, Michael, doing some advising on what sorts of ingredients should we be thinking about advocating or maybe avoiding for our patients? So I like to think of it as kind of a curated list of products. So instead of standing at your pharmacy counter with 38 options, you can read through individual products, and then for each product we put why we like it or why you might like it and, and what the features of that product is. So commonly lubricants and moisturizers. Interestingly, I was at a meeting this week with about a dozen providers, 
and one of the providers indicated that they had never had a conversation about lubricants with patients and really didn't even realize that there were some varieties out there or how to advise women. So in our busyness of our day, when we mentioned maybe you should add this for comfort purposes, for instance, most people don't necessarily have the additional information to begin to guide women on the selection process. Right. And I think, you know, you bring up a good point at the the concept of moisturizers and lubricants about the selection. It could be very daunting. And, you know, moisturizers, I think what a good basic clinical pearl is moisturizers for maintenance, lubricants for lovemaking. And I think the, you know, the information is really interesting and very exciting because I think that we know that about 50% of women and men use uh, sexual accessories for sexual enhancement. And, you know, we also have to remember that dryness isn't only for menopause or the older couple that may take longer to get aroused. Some women who are on birth control pills or take antihistamines or even the breastfeeding woman uh, may have uh, a disconnect in terms of overall vaginal lubrication. So, again, the selection is daunting, so sometimes having that help is very, very important. And I think some clinical pearls that I tell both patients and clinicians is read labels. We tend to not spend that much time uh, reading labels. So the luxury of shopping online is that you can do it in the comfort of your home. No one, you're not worried about somebody walking in on you at the personal intimate aisle. So you can take the time, read the labels, read the ingredients, and really choose what's right with you. And as clinicians, I think we have to do a better job in terms of communicating, writing things down on prescription pads, really looking and telling patients that these are vital aspects for overall sexual health and enjoyment. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sex Med on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Critchman, and joining me today is Dr. Barb Dupree. She's a gynecologist and director of Midlife Women's Health at Holland Hospital and founder of Middlesex MD. We're talking about sexual accessories and things you can bring into the bedroom. Uh, we talked a little bit about moisturizers and lubricants, and we're going to shift gears and talk about some of the other important concepts like vibrators and dilators and what have you. So, Barb, what are your thoughts about those, and how um, how does a woman make a choice? Uh, how do they know what, about good products? And again, let's try to remember about the couple. It's not only about her. Sometimes men have concerns about bringing dilators or vibrators into the bedroom. What are your thoughts about that? Well, that's a good point. And I, I think just having this conversation is really daunting for a lot of practitioners. But I would also say that I think as practitioners who see women, especially if you're um, starting a conversation around sexual health, you have a privileged relationship with that patient. So I think understanding that it's a privileged relationship and your voice matters is crucial. And feeling free to offer some of those ideas. I, I can't tell you the number of times I've offered up the information of the benefits of a vibrator. And obviously our, our surveys tell us that half of women and couples use those regularly. On the other half, that means half don't. And either they're opposed to it, which I understand and respect that, or they just hadn't thought about it or they didn't know how to approach it. So I think not forgetting that talking about these sexual accessories can be a really critical part of women and men's couple success in improving sexual enhancement. So I, I have some samples in my office where I show women vibrators. I 
have them touch them and feel the vibration and the different powers, et cetera, that go along with the vibrators. So touching it and seeing it, it feels less daunting. I then talk through some of the selection considerations, the size, the shape. There are kind of two different categories. One would be more external, laid up against the vulva and clitoris, and one would be more internal, placed within the vagina. I have this conversation with my single women who aren't in a relationship and the value of what it is, what it brings to use a device or a toy in maintaining vaginal health in the absence of a sexual relationship. And then talking about some are rechargeable, some are battery-operated, some are waterproof, some are not, the materials that they're made up of. There are a lot of options out there. The reason I hesitate sending women to some of the Amazon sites, for instance, is they could go online and have 400 different options to choose from with no descriptions or guidance or input around the materials that they're made of and the safety of those materials. Right. And I think it's really important to kind of get some background. It could be very scary. And again, uh, there's a lot of different qualities, different entry level. And again, I think it's important to make the sexual accessory non-threatening because many men and women themselves have never used any kind of sexual accessory in their sexual experience. Sometimes this is for added pleasure or enjoyment. Sometimes it's because orgasm may take longer or the intensity may change or the time to orgasm may also change. So I think that it certainly can be problematic. But in my clinical office, we have a a handout called Get to Know Your Vibrator. And I think your point is well taken that sometimes when you can see it and touch it and listen to it, I think that's very important too. Because You know, many women are concerned that everybody's going to hear it. The kids are sleeping in the room next door and someone's going to hear it. So so, uh, listening to them is also vital. And also, I think, to how do you bring it in terms of uh, introducing accessories into the bedroom is also very important in a non-threatening way. Men also use sexual stimulators. They also do sexual exploration, body mapping. They learn that there's different erogenous zones for women and men. So I think it could be an important part for the couple. What's your thought about that, Barb, in terms of talking to patients? How do they talk to their partners who may be a little bit concerned or skittish or even threatened by a vibrator? You know, men are very concerned that they're not pleasing their partner. And then all of a sudden a woman is saying, well, I need this accessory. How do you talk about that? Yes, it it is a sensitive subject that I think women are somewhat reluctant to bring up with their partners. But I, I typically approach it by saying, you know, this is a really unique time of of being close and intimate and generally speaking it's more pleasurable for both if they know there's pleasure being derived by both parties so i think you're you would agree that your partner wants you to enjoy this event as well and if it can be increased and enhanced by bringing in a device then i think it's more acceptable not suggesting that the partner isn't able to provide pleasure, but it's enhanced. And I sometimes use the eyeglass analogy. You know, we we lose our near vision. Nobody questions the fact that we need something to enhance our ability to read. 
And I think if we talk with our partners about with aging and with changes and whether it's, you know, as you mentioned, postpartum, for whatever reason, the experience may be changed or maybe you just want it to be different and not that it was negative or bad in any way. And, and bringing in a, a device or a tool is a great way to do that. And as you said, men can enjoy the device and the pleasure and exploring, as you mentioned, um, areas are typically interesting and exciting for both partners. Right. And, Barb, just one last quick question. You know, there's a whole variety of, of sexual accessories that some people may consider unconventional. You know, I recently saw there's this little, like, outfit or uh, a tuxedo for a, for a man's uh, penis, and there's also rings. There's also a whole variety of things that go into the realm related to, uh, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, whips and blindfolds and what have you, and I guess uh, creative imagination um, in terms of creating those accessories. Um, one thing I think that's important that we need to remember is we need to normalize a lot of these things and kind of break the taboo, because if we create a comfortable environment where patients can talk about these things, I think that we can better serve their sexual health and their general health as well. So again, uh, sometimes, you know, there's different uh, strokes for different folks. I think some people like vanilla, some people like chocolate ice cream. And again, having a whole variety of things and allowing people to pick and choose what works for them in their situation, in their relationship, uh, is also important. So this, this notion of acceptance is very important. What are your thoughts about some of the, what I would, uh, you know, hesitate to label as unconventional sexual accessories? Are they common? Are people using them? Are they talking about it? Or is it more of a, of a private issue? In my practice, I have women disclose that, I would say, infrequently. And I don't know if that is a regional phenomena or it's because we're in a medical setting Maybe women don't feel that's the appropriate place to bring it up. And you're in Southern California. Maybe that's not been your experience there. But while I will have women disclose additional um, accessories they use, as you mentioned, the Fifty Shades of Grey was probably a great time for us in practice because it did allow women to be more free to express some of their interests or interest in exploring other options. So maybe around that time I had women discuss handcuffs or blindfolds, for instance, more bondage-related things. But it's more uncommon for me to hear women incorporating that day-to-day. I try to offer up an open-ended question about are they comfortable with that conversation or do they have any additional questions or input, but I don't hear about that on a regular basis would be my response. Right. And I mean, I think that it's also the setting, but we know that it's a multi-billion dollar industry and that people are doing a variety of things. So sometimes making these uh, available and knowing that creating a comfortable environment is really the most important thing. Uh, Barb, I really want to thank you today for being with us. Thank you, Dr. Dupree. Have a great one. We've been talking about sexual accessories in terms of sexual medicine and sexual health, particularly focusing on moisturizers, lubricants, and vibrators. But we also know that, you know, women and men are engaging in a variety of uh, sexual activities, and they're using a whole variety of sexual accessories and the importance of communication 
with our patients in order to better help them. You've been listening to Sex Med on ReachMD. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com sexmed to download this segment and others in this series. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Critchman, and remember, sexual health is general health. Thanks again for listening.